Hello, and welcome to Making the Rounds, a podcast by the American Medical Association. Today's episode is part of our Health IT series from the AMA MSS Committee on Health Information Technology. My name is Christopher Jackson, and I am a medical student at the University of Toledo College of Medicine. I'll be your host for today. Today, we're joined by Professor Sarah Gerke, an assistant professor of law at the Penn State University Dickinson School of Law. Hello, and welcome, Professor. Hello. Thank you so much uh, for having me. Um, thank you for coming on. Um, so for listeners who aren't familiar with you and your work, could you give them a little introduction? Sure. Uh, so uh, I'm Sarah Gerke. I'm currently an assistant professor of law at Penn State Dickinson Law. And my research is really fo- uh, focused on the ethical and legal challenges of artificial intelligence and big data for healthcare and health law in the United States and Europe. Um, but I also research comparative law and ethics of other issues at the cutting edge of medical development, such as the clinical translation of stem cell research or biological products, um, reproductive medicine, but also digital health in general. And before joining Penn State Dickinson Law in July this year, um, I was actually, I served as research fellow in medicine, artificial intelligence and law at the Petri Klum Center for Health Law Policy biotechnology and bioethics um, at Harvard Law School for the project on precision medicine, artificial intelligence and law, or um, called PMAIL. Okay, and when we talk about AI, can you give us a formal definition of exactly what AI is so that we all kind of know what we're talking about? Uh, Sure, yeah. So so the term was actually already uh, coined very early on in 1955 and um, has since been always uh, used in society with different meanings. So I cannot really give you um, a a perfect term what AI means. It's more like um, we don't have a universal definition of AI AI to date, but the term is often used um, as an umbrella term, yeah, that encompasses several subsets. So for example, um, one very important uh, subset of AI is machine learning. Uh, which has been the most popular approach um, of health AI applications in recent times um, because it allows computational systems to learn from data and improve their performance without being explicitly programmed. Okay. Um, And you've discussed that there's a need to integrate AI into uh, medical school curricula and the curriculum for physicians. Um, How do you think this should best be done? How do you think we should learn about this? Yeah, so um, uh, so AI is really rapidly entering healthcare, and um, I believe will uh, transform uh, the way physicians practice medicine in the future. And so the motivation of this article was really um, from realizing that medical students need to learn about AI and uh, the unique uh, ethical challenges that are raised by such tools um, in order to be uh, equipped when using AI in their future profession. Um, So AI um, raises unique challenges, um, ethical challenges. Um, So these tools are really different from traditional drugs or devices, yeah? So they can be biased, they may be opaque, um, so-called black boxes, and they may even be capable um, uh, of learning from new data continuously. And so physicians um, really need to know how to use such uh, models, yeah? So when they should use it, for which patients, and also they need to be able to spot uh, issues with their application. And so um, they uh, also uh, really need to be able to communicate um, 
their functions and benefits and risks um, to their patients uh, in plain language. And so it's, um, I really encourage like medical schools to create space uh, for discussing those um, ethical issues of AI in the curriculum. And uh, I'm happy to see already that some schools have now uh, started uh, to do that, uh, such as Harvard Medical School. Okay. Can you describe some of the biases that you were talking about previously? I know that there are numerous biases that can come into AI, um, but what specifically are we most concerned about? Yeah, sure. Um, so, um, so there are, uh, as you mentioned, so um, like a major issue right now, a concern of AI in the healthcare space um, is bias. And there are like several types of biases. Um, and, and sometimes they also overlap. And so it, it, it's a very complex uh, issue. Yeah. So for example, uh, um, there is a slogan, garbage in, garbage out applies to health AI. Yeah. So the better the training data is, the better the AI will perform. And so if health AIs are trained on biased data, uh, existing disparities in health may be augmented rather than reduced. Yeah. But it can also be the case uh, that the used algorithm itself exhibits bias. So for example, there is a recent study by Obermeier et al that has shown a substantial racial bias against black patients in a prediction algorithm uh, used by many hospitals and other healthcare systems to identify and help patients with complex health needs. And then um, bias um, uh, can also occur, there's a, a so-called contextual bias, yeah, in cases where health AIs are designed in high-income countries like the U.S., for low and uh, middle income countries, um, or even in the US when you um, transfer an AI from one context to the other. Um, and then of course, uh, bias can also be unconscious. Yeah, so for example, or implicit. So for example, when data scientists choose which parameters to use to help the program learn, they often unconsciously include uh, their own beliefs and values in the code. Okay. So um, this makes it really complicated because there's so many different layers and types of biases. Um, and knowing that this is complicated and not an easy question to answer, um, what can we do as base-level researchers and students and physicians um, to eliminate these biases or at least reduce them so that our AIs work better in the future? Yeah, so the, uh, sure, this is a complex question, but I think like uh, first of all, being aware of this, yeah, so being aware of the fact that AI is prone to biases, I think that's uh, um, a, a first thing uh, to know, but uh, of course, we also need to see that um, uh, also we humans are biased, so, um, and we always hold an AI to a higher standard than uh, probably a human physician. Still, I think, um, uh, of course, our idea is um, to make sure to mitigate biases as much as possible. And so I'm a fan of um, um, the so-called, so uh, I call it like ethics by design approach. Yeah, so um, starting early on um, um, to identify um, already in the development process uh, those kind of biases rather than after product uh, has been designed uh, and tested. Yeah, um, it's really essential that we diversify data uh, to reflect different populations adequately to ensure fairness, um, because the lack of patient data uh, of different geographies, races, gender, socioeconomic statuses, 
can really create biases and, and likely prevent the most vulnerable patient groups from benefiting from these new uh, AI-based products. Um, I also believe that we need to um, find um, solutions to incentivize AI makers to design also for low and middle income countries needs. Uh, and so such a transfer, for example, from one context to another uh, will likely uh, require retraining the algorithm on local data, but it also is essential to involve local people in the design process of health AIs uh, to ensure that these products are useful for low and middle income uh, regions. And in general, I believe it's very important um, and crucial to have a diverse team, um, uh, an interdisciplinary team, but also very diverse team when developing uh, health AIs to reduce biases, uh, especially implicit ones. Um, and just to backtrack a little bit, there was something that you mentioned before, um, and that is that AI is kind of challenging not both our ethical frameworks, but also our regulatory frameworks, um, because you mentioned that some of these things can continuously update with new data. And as of right now, our FDA approvals for things require that they kind of stay the same. Um, so what other regulatory changes do you think we're going to see mm -hmm. um, as we move towards a more AI in healthcare world? Yeah, so this, uh, so I'm currently spending much of my time thinking about um, how can we regulate how uh, AI-based products, um, AI-based medical devices, how should we regulate them? Um, I believe um, that we need, um, and, and this is a complex question, but I believe we really need a new regulatory framework for um, uh, health AI. Um, and there are like really many pieces in this puzzle uh, that we need to put together uh, here. So uh, first, um, I believe the FDA should review all risky health AI-based products that may jeopardize patient safety before they hit the market. Um, so for example, right now, certain clinical decision support software systems um, are not classified as medical devices and, and, and thus are not, not subject to FDA um, uh, review and regulation, uh, although they may be risky. Um, then many or actually most health apps um, right now that are released on the market uh, will not be reviewed by any uh, any kind um, uh, of regulator bef uh, before they uh, they are released on the market. And then um, another issue is clinical trials. Yeah, so clin we, clinical trials are actually right now in the AI field almost completely missing. They are like very rare, literal, literally really upset, absent. Um, and then what you just mentioned the problem of um, adaptive algorithm. That's another very complex um, um, issue. Uh, if you have an, a, an uh, so the idea would be actually um, um, to have AI, AI algorithms that have the ability to continuously learn. And so the regulators face that question of how do you ensure that those um, um, uh, devices uh, remain safe and effective throughout their life cycle and uh, so here, regulators also um, need to figure out how to regulate uh, those um, adaptive algorithms um, in the future. Uh, and then finally, uh, I also believe um, and encourage regulators like the FDA to really widen their scope to um, from evaluating products to assessing complete systems yeah, and focus particularly on the environment in which they are implemented. 
You took care of the nation. It's time for the nation to take care of you. The AMA stood by America's physicians and patients during the pandemic, and we're not stopping there. We're fixing prior authorization, leading the charge on Medicare payment reform, supporting telehealth, fighting scope creep, and reducing physician burnout. It's time to rebuild, and the AMA is ready. To learn more about the AMA Recovery Plan for America's Physicians, go to ama-assn.org slash time to rebuild. Um, that sounds like a lot of work to get done. Um, and how can, <laughs> uh, how can we as physicians and medical students um, help to get that work done and make that transition to a, a more AI-specific regulatory framework? And how do we best work with lawyers, which is something I know people don't like to do, but it's something that's going to have to get done to make sure that this occurs. Yeah, so uh, I think uh, uh, students and uh, medical students can already uh, uh, do already have now an important role and and can have a, a voice in the debate. So I believe um, in general, um, AI, the the uh, it, there are complex issues of AI in healthcare. And I do not believe we can solve this alone. We need a, a diverse interdisciplinary team. We need all stakeholders uh, at the table. And uh, that's not only the AI manufacturers, these are the physicians, medical students, you know, regulators, ex all kind of experts. And I believe um, um, uh, medical students already now uh, can say they want to learn more about AI, um, the learn about the ethical issues, et cetera, so that it may be uh, that they are interested in those issues so that it may be implemented in, in the medical school curriculum, yeah, so that it will be a standard um, a, a standard um, course which will, get, uh, will be offered because I believe that um, new technology, digital health, the digitalization of the healthcare system this um, will shape and change and transform uh, how 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 you as uh, as as medical um, 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 as physicians later on in in your profession will actually practice medicine. Okay, um, and now to make a little bit of a turn. So, how do you feel that COVID has impacted your work? Um, what changes have you seen with that? Yeah, so I mean, COVID has definitely impacted my work a lot. Um, um, so I believe um, uh, we have seen throughout the pandemic um, the importance of digital health um, and also the value of data yeah, and data sets. And so um, collecting data and analyzing data and um, the global health AI market size is in general expected to increase rapidly over the next years and especially the COVID-19 pandemic has hastened this adoption of digital health tools. Um, so for example, um, especially early on in the pandemic, uh, we, we saw a tremendous shift um, of monitoring tools from the clinic to the patient's home. And so for example, I wrote an article with colleagues from Harvard, Medical, Harvard Law School and, and the Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, uh, published in Nature Medicine in 2020, in which we, for example, analyzed the regulatory safety and privacy um, concerns uh, of home monitoring technologies uh, during COVID-19. Um, and so here we looked not only at um, uh, emergency use authorizations uh, for home monitoring devices, but also um, at um, uh, privacy issues 
uh, a comparison between uh, the US and Europe. Um, and in general, um, throughout the pandemic, I uh, wrote um, uh, several pieces uh, on different ethical and legal questions of, di of digital medicine, through, um, such, a, such as contact tracing uh, or exposure notification apps, but also digital health apps in general uh, uh, during the pandemic, uh, surveillance question, telehealth. Yeah, we had a huge boom uh, in the telehealth sector uh, through, uh, through the pandemic and then uh, also about COVID-19 antibody testing. Um, what do you feel is the impact of your work um, and have you experienced any challenges? Yeah, so um, I would say, um, so I, we, I, I'm spending like um, most of my time thinking about the ethical and legal challenges uh, raised by artificial intelligence in healthcare, um, such as informed consent bias, inclusion and equity, privacy and security, FDA regulation, also liability. And uh, I really do hope that my work impacts um, how health AI tools are implemented in clinics and in our daily life. So for example, uh, um, as mentioned before, I'm a supporter of the Essex by Design approach. Yeah, so AI companies should identify and address early on uh, in interdisciplinary and diverse teams ethical issues raised by their AI-based products, such as BIES. And um, it should be really a moral imperative um, to develop AI tools that are meaningful for the healthcare system and also can be integrated seamlessly into the uh, workflow of a hospital, uh, for example. And most important, AI tools uh, that improve um, patient outcomes. And I also hope that my work shape policy decisions uh, and regulations uh, of health AI-based products so one of my goals is to promote innovation for better health for a better healthcare system, while at the same time uh, ensuring uh, that marketed uh, systems are not only safe and effective but also remain safe and effective throughout their life cycle, and especially benefiting um, all of us, yeah, including the most vulnerable population groups in our society. So uh, that's why my work currently looks. Uh, um, and focuses a lot, and I'm thinking about this a lot, um, how a regulatory framework for health AI could and should like um, to achieve uh, such goals, yeah. Uh, I think we still need to figure out uh, many, uh, many challenges. Um, uh, health AI just raises very complex questions, starting, you know, from developing the necessary infrastructure and equitable access to the safe use of such systems. Um, but I'm still uh, an uh, optimist, and so um, we hopefully will, together uh, in collaborative teams, overcome uh, them in the future. Um, and just to interrogate the health, uh, the uh, to I'm sorry, let me retake that one. Just to interrogate the ethics by design question, there have been plenty of inventions that have started off with good intentions, and then have somehow wandered into being something that is less so. I guess, has less utility for all of society. Um, how would you make sure that your AI platform doesn't delve into something like that or stays ethical? Yeah, so so I believe um, a, a regulatory review is imperative, especially if you have um, AI products that are risky and may jeopardize patient safety. So um, um, I think um, uh, not only thinking uh, um, ethically through the development of the process, but you also should have always like a second 
by looking over that and reviewing it. But um, then again, even then, uh, once an AI is implemented in clinic in the clinic, um, I, um, here the role of the physician will be very important. Yeah, we need to educate physicians. And that's why also I'm um, for educating medical students already now about those systems, yeah, so that they know um, that they may be prone to biases, even if they were checked in advance, yeah, especially if you have an adaptive algorithm someday, you may uh, want to continuously actually check and monitor the system uh, while uh, being uh, used in practice. And so um, I think um, uh, because healthcare um, is different than other sectors, because you have many different stakeholders involved, um, from the development to the physician who is using it, um, or the patient even, if you have a direct-to-consumer um, uh, product, um, where you uh, need to make sure um, uh, that uh, everyone understands how to use them safely and effectively. And so I do hope um, that um, AI manufacturers um, look more uh, into the question, what is actually beneficial for the healthcare system um, and, uh, what, uh, and, and, and create or develop AIs that are meaningful and improve patient outcomes, for example. Uh, because right now um, we see that many um, AI systems that um, are, are being developed and uh, not actually on and are on the market uh, have not actually shown that they do improve uh, patient outcomes. Okay. Um, and when I'm a practicing physician here in 10 to 15 years, how do you think healthcare will have changed? That's a, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I, unfortunately, I don't have like a, um, a crystal ball um, to see the future, but um uh, I would say um, I do hope uh, that we are uh, in 10 to 15 years that we are at a point where AI is in a positive uh, way in, in integrated and deployed in the healthcare systems that we have like a learning healthcare system where actually um, the um, distinction between clinics and, uh, and the home is more and more gone. Yeah. So that we, uh, we have like a complete, learning data healthcare system that the digitalization uh, in the healthcare systems happened and um, and that actually um, new innovative tools made the uh, healthcare system uh, stronger and really improve um, uh, improve the healthcare system but most importantly that we uh, uh, we have tools in place that uh, are beneficial for everyone and all of us and not just for specific uh, patient populations. Okay. Um, thank you for speaking with us today. And as a last question, um, where can people out there connect with you and follow your work? Is it Twitter, um, a website? Where can they see what you're doing? Sure. Yeah. So the best is uh, Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at uh, Gerke underscore Sarah, S-A-R-A uh, and Gerke, G-E-R-K-E -E underscore Sarah. You can find me there. Uh, you can also connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, you can find all uh, a list of all my publications on Google Scholar. Um, also, you can check out the website of Penn State uh, Dickinson Law, where you can find more information about me and my background and also my research. Okay. Well, everyone, that's all for today. Thank you for listening. 
And thank you for your time today, Professor Gerke. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, take care. This has been Making the Round, a podcast by the American Medical Association. You can subscribe to Making the Round and other great AMA podcasts wherever you listen to yours or visit ama-assn.org.